Dark Satellite Media. I'm over here now. Pardon the interruption, no need for introduction. It's the drunken monk. Turn this shit up a little, something. My bucket, up in smoke, sipping Bacardi till I'm giving my car keys to Jimmy Ferrari, and we out. About to go jump in a mosh pit full of hundreds of hot chicks saying something obnoxious like I gotta put my foot in your ass permit When I'm done I'll cook you in a Brooklyn blast furnace Live from the fucking, what is it, the Wasteland Studios? Yes, here in Flushing, Queens we're in Flushing, right? This is Flushing. Yeah, we are in Flushing. This isn't Johnny this time. We are at the Wasteland Studios here in right. New York City. Right. No Fresh Meadows, no Queens. Well, we are at those places too, but right. you know, we're here. Episode 114 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace here with Josh Waste. One and only. What's up, brother? I'm doing good. What's that? Thank you for uh, taking your time out of your busy schedule to sit down and do this with me. You know, uh, I know I'm the youngest, probably the youngest member you've had on here probably doing this. Of a band, maybe, but I had my nine-year-old daughter when oh, she yeah, was so seven or eight. Ah, second youngest, of yeah. course. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't know, dude. There's, there's so many of them. If I sat down and really thought about it, I don't know. How old are you? I am 28 this year, turning 29. I first started singing for Urban Waste when I was 19, and I think people back then looked at Johnny like with their heads turned like where did this kid come from and how did he just get to hear what happened with Kenny right I feel like that question has been thrown at us in so many different forms and ways over the years alright well I'm not gonna throw a question at you I'm, I just want you to t- you'll, you'll tell your story you know <clears throat> so, so what we'll do is first of all let me make sure that my phone is fucking low yeah same here so Let's get into, right, like, you know, basically, we'll start from the fucking, like, beginning. Like, where you were fucking born. Like, right. Are you a New York City kid? I am uh, was born and raised on Long Island. I was born in Stony Brook Hospital at uh, 12.52 in the afternoon. Wow, we're getting specific. All right. Hey, if you know um, that shit, have at it. <laughs> I am the youngest of five brothers and two sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we were all adopted okay. by uh, my parents, um, Lenore and Howard Kitten. Okay. Um, we live. I've I've always been a Long Islander since pretty much forever. Lived out in Port Jeff Station as a kid. Moved to Coram, a little town over. No really big difference. But yeah. um, I'm not too familiar with Long Island. I have a couple of friends that live in Long Island. I know like how to get to their house. And that's like <laughs> I feel like there is Long Island and Queens confuse me. I feel like there is Long Island Queens. Aren't they? A lot of people would argue that they're connected and together. Really, they are. Yeah. But but like around here, there's the road, and then there's the street, then there's the avenue, and the, it kind of doesn't make sense. I mean, if you live in the main two part, at least like the closer, like the further little western out parts uh, of Long Island, you know, to you they'd probably be like two parts. There's Nassau and there's Suffolk. Right. Suffolk's a little further out east. That's where I've always lived. And Nassau, and then you have like the Hamptons, and then you got like the further out part. Right. Like, I know like Long Huntington Island. Station and like Comac, and like that's it. See, you, you know some Long Island. That's stuff all right I know. <laughs> They're like ten minutes from each other. Oh, Jimmy, so whatever get lost with me out there, man. There are places I don't know, and it, I, I actually do love getting lost. You guys, my girlfriend. Rachel, we drive around the areas looking for new places to do sometimes. We're like, I'm lost. Right. All right. Well, I get that. That's all right. But, um, you know, I, uh, as I got started, to, as we, when I moved into the newer area in Corum, um, I started meeting a lot of my friends who I would still see and speak to even to this day. And uh, a lot of them were already into punk rock, a lot of the older kids. I, be, having older siblings really 
opened me up to a lot of music that existed before yeah, my time period. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you like, like what was your? Because everybody has like their turning point. Everybody knows that moment where, like, like for me, like growing up in Brooklyn, like my my parents, there was a lot of. I'm, I'm old. I'm 43. So as a little kid. I just I distinctly remember like there was a lot of Queen, there was a lot of fucking Joe Cocker, there was a lot of the Beatles, there was a lot of Zeppelin, there was a lot of Pink Floyd, all of like the main there was a little bit of Sabbath that I remember. And then I wound up getting into you know, from there I have an older sister, so she started getting into like Yes, I'm gonna say it because it was just in the house. But she got into like the like the Molly Cruz and, and, and like the fucking Bon Jovi's and shit. So and but but then I've told it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's really not. It was just it wasn't my fault. I was a little kid and this is what was around me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I've said this a million times in the podcast. There was a, there was a girl who was supposed to be like my babysitter, but she never babysat me. She used to smoke pot and let me do whatever I wanted to do anyway. But but she had my my turning point which was the catalyst to eventually get me into the things I'm into she had Motley Crue Shout at the Devil on vinyl and Twisted Sister Stay Hungry on vinyl oh so as like a little kid as like eight nine years old you see this that was like my version of like Kiss you know what I mean like you look and the crazy way they look now you look at it it's just fucking silly I but then I eventually evolved and I got into like the thrash metal and then I yeah. found suicidal tendencies and then I found leeway and then I went nuts from there. I'd say it was the same thing, you know. Uh, for, you know, for the thing for my generation is uh, for, we were kids in the late '90s, early 2000s. So a lot of video games were coming out and a lot of games around the time were um, coming out uh, with the soundtracks to them. With all these metal bands, rock and roll bands, a lot of classic hip hop. But I will say that Shout Out the Devil is still a fucking great record. I don't care what anyone Very thinks. good record. Um, <laughs> Tony Hawk is, it's, it's pretty funny. A lot of kids in my age can say Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, probably one to three. Had, could, you could just shout between Bad Religion, The Dead Kennedys. I've uh, heard about that. I never played that, but I've Susan, heard that. They, I mean, it was even, there was even a level in the first Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. They had an homage to suicidal tendencies. Like it was, uh, that's their, one of their songs, Psychovision. Okay. It was, they had a song, they released an album, I think, uh, 1999 called Freedom. And the album cover yeah, Freedom, for that, F-R-E-D-U-M-B. Yeah. The yeah. album cover for that was in uh, the school, was in the library level of that, that game. And the, the playlist was off the charts between like a suicidal, Dead Kennedys, you had Band Religion, Fear. I mean, you had Motorhead in these games. I mean, so it really opened up my eyes to a lot of ACDC. Right. I mean, as I was like, 13, 14, I was the biggest ACDC and Metallica junkie right. that you could ever just meet. I was all I was all into that like that type of rock and roll, metal, you sure. name it. I was really into the big four at the time because that was really like opening up my eyes. A lot of my friends were, Bro. like you said, listening to Motley Crue and all Listen, that. Bro. I was fucking put Anthrax, Joey Belladonna, fucking old school Joey Belladonna era Anthrax, I'll listen to all day long. I don't give a fuck. Without a doubt. And, um, I was a big Anthrax fan. So was I. Living? Oof. Huge. My God. So, you know, I, I, well, being with that said, I used to feel like I'm a perfect urban race on the reject. Uh, I uh, always felt different. 
secluded from everybody. I mean, being adopted, <coughs> I was made fun of for that. Uh, having a different skin color. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd at heart, too. God, I love Marvel Comics. Right. I had people mess with me all the sort of that. So, in some sort of weird way, I feel like people can be a really interesting catalyst to pushing you towards this type of music. Yeah. I mean, one of the first Urban Waste songs I ever heard was, was Reject. Right. Reject and uh, Mutiny, which is a song that's not even on the first record, but nonetheless, you know, those two songs I, I loved. I loved the lyrical intensity that a lot of these hardcore bands presented where sure. they were not afraid to talk about the things that people just did not want to hear. Right. And I was always constantly afflicted by that, whether it was from my parents, my siblings, or people around me bullying me. I always related so well to it. And that's what inevitably gravitated myself towards metal and hardcore and all this stuff. I mean, yeah. by the time I was like 16 years old, it was like, as you said, I... Started getting into more of the crossover stuff. So I was listening to like Suicide Tendencies, yeah. DRI, uh, Urban Waste, Murphy's Law. I mean, remember most people consider Urban Waste hard New York hardcore, but they, you know, we got some thrashy stuff to you know. Sure. Like, um, and that's really where my eyes started like opening up to like, oh man, like I think I'm hooked. I think I'm going to be in this forever. Yeah. I mean, I, you get you get that, that. There's that point. It's like, like I said, like I got from one thing to the other, and then I wound up getting into the metal, like like you know, heavy shit, you know, the Metallica Testament, all that shit. <laughs> and then once I found like leeway, it was like, this is different, but not really. This is very metal, but. These guys don't have gimmicks. Like this, yeah. this skinny singer has short hair, and AJ Novello has like a Yankee hat on, and there's there's no gimmicks. But all right, there's a couple of guys with long hair, but it's 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 stripped down. Exactly. And and that right from there, I'm like, these guys seem like regular guys that we used to see walking down the street. They're not like on this big arena stage on MTV and all this away bullshit. from the crowd. You right can't near them, right? Know? So that was something right there that I thought was dope. And then from there, I went and I bought Agnostic Front, Liberty and Justice. And then, <laughs> Yo, and that album is so underrated. Third album is so good. Too, it's, it's in my top three of Agnostic Front records. Same. That went without a doubt. Yeah. They, they mishmash Victim and Pain One Voice Liberty and Justice I think I'd, I'd say You know it's so funny I love their entire catalog though Not taking anything away from it You mentioned uh, One Voice In the podcast That you did with uh, Johnny And ever since then I really started Really like getting Listening to those songs Like New Jack Undertow And man it's so hard album is So hard Anyone who knows me Like knows I'm like ADD or ADHD Whichever Whatever what the fuck one it is I'm, ADHD ADD you know, Yeah we, we, we get it yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a speed junkie, not the drug, but I'm like, like right. my hardcore is always fast. And well, you, you can shake your ass to that record. There's, <laughs> there's, there's yeah, like, you can. Like, that song, Crime Without Sin. Yes! Oh, no, it's crazy, bro. So, like, as I started to get, you know, I mean, throughout pretty much my teens and my early 20s, I was like, speed, speed, speed. But as I started to get closer to my 30s now, I'm like, really been appreciating more of like, this, like the album, like, you know, One Voice, and like, like later on, like Leeway, like a lot of the heavier bands that I never used to like, I used to just kind of like scratch off that are now like really uh, part of my repertoire and I'm like because uh, it blends in between like you know I can listen to like three fast songs and then two heavy and then go right back into a fast song it right. sounds great right and then you'll have those those bands with, or some songs with those bands that it'll be fast 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 but within that there's so much of like a bounce and a groove exactly and, so it's not just 
fucking brah, it's just like you know there's 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 bumps and bounces within that fucking fast shit like I mean now I'm like on the spot like there's so many songs like like newer era like for the first one of the first things that pops in my head is that Thousand Mile Stair fucking record from Incendiary Okay. I don't know if you've heard I, I, I've heard of Incendiary um, the they, last Incendiary record that they put out is probably like like I'll say it I'm gonna say over the last it's top three hardcore records over the last decade for you for me nice yeah it's yeah. nice when you can you can finally feel it's like you, you can listen to something top to bottom and concrete say it's this one here. It's incredible. I actually never thought about that before the past decade. Uh, for like, I guess I, three. I feel like it's such a small number for me. I usually try to go five. All right. Yeah. Um, man, that is it's so like that. hard. Like, like Wisdom and Chains is a fuck, one of my favorite fucking bands. Like they'll have a fucking fast song that's just brutal, and then they'll have songs that you could just fucking. Joe fucking like sings and it's just fucking bouncy and sing-alongs then you'll have one that you want to fucking punch somebody in the head the next song it's just fucking it's just such a great mix I used to feel a lot like that with um a lot of the local bands that play out in Long Island Long Island is I guess a small place but if you live out there it kind of feels like a relatively big place right. and you know I mean they, they have different spots for the the, the the Long Island scene but a lot of sometimes people come together with shows so you have like the heavy bands then you have like a lot of the, like the speed bands like I, they used to be uh, when I first started going to shows the bands that I used to see are the bands that I could catch like uh, like a Los Oblivious uh, Eyes of Hate uh, one of the first shows that I ever brought to, I used to be friends with this dude um, Justin he was a. I take he's more of an acquaintance. He's one of those people you, you grow out of, and you, once you realize what they're about and what yeah. they're limited to, and that's what they only want to do and focus on, you, you kind of start being like, all right, man, I want more yeah. in life. I don't want you know simple drugs or negativity. There's a lot of people that I know like that. So I am thankful to him for just one thing and for this for showing me a certain bands that I use as my stepping stone to progress further from my knowledge right. and my way into the scene. Right. So he what was your first show ever. My first show ever. Um, it's so funny. I was actually just about to talk about that. One of my first shows that I can recall, I can't say if it's the first, but it's within the first three, is um, my girlfriend Rachel. She used to be in this band called No Vice, okay. which was a really popular hardcore band around like the late 2000s. Right, I'd say from like 2007 to 2010. And uh, they used to be this place out in Port Chef Station known as The Riff. And they were playing a show there for, uh, I think one of our friends had passed away. He was like an old school guy named Stu who lived out in Long Island. He passed away. So I think they were doing a show then. Then was that or something, I can't tell you. But I know that they played. It was like, what year? Uh, I want to say this was 2008, 2009. Wow, I feel old. I know, sorry to make you feel that way. No, it's all right. It's just just like The craziest part about for me was (laughs) I was listening to all this. People would probably find it hard to believe. Back then I was a bit of a shy guy. I always felt like being open and exposing yourself always led to me being made fun of and ridiculed. So when I was a teen, I didn't really know how to go about expressing myself like that yet. So I really wasn't going out to shows much, but I was so listening to records, music, finding information about these bands. So if I ever did see them, I would know what to hear, know what I would like, and be able to have conversations with people. Yeah. So that was one of the first shows I ever saw, and I love the live experience of it. I mean, of course. the moment the first like guitar chord was played, a pit was a in circling, yeah. going crazy, and like you know, like you said before, it wasn't that stuff that was. They were so high above you, pulled away from you. You, you had these bands who 
had no problem being amongst the people that they felt like they belonged a part of. Right. And so that was just this greatest experience for me because I could feel like I'm just as equal as the band. And I tell people that still when even when I'm on stage, I'm like, we wouldn't be here for for you. Like, you know, we're urban waste, but so are each and all you two. Right. So I had the meaning of yeah. that. So yeah, that was one of that first. I mean, I, I don't know what my first hardcore show really was. But it was that time when I saw Leeway, and it was by accident. I remember you actually told me this. You yeah. stumbled back into it, and it was Leeway, and you knew you were back into it, I think. Well, you took a break, right? Well, yeah. Well, that was the second time. That that was... The, I went back... Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, all right. First show, it was... Well, this was 1989-90, when it was Lemoore's, and, and Suicidal was headlining. I went there to see them. And oh, it was what a great show. And it was, it was White Zombie, Leeway, Suicidal. And Leeway came on, and people went fucking bananas, and I was like, what the fuck? So that was that, and I don't remember what, like, my next, like, a show, like a matinee or anything. I don't remember what it was, but then... But yeah, but then I, I kind of I had a couple of stupid issues years ago, and then I was like, yo, fuck this, like, I'm going to go to a show, and either something's going to happen, or something's not going to happen, and I went solo, and I went to the show, and it was the Eddie Leeway show. And oh wow! It was yeah. This I was, remember when he was doing it. This was like what, like a four or five. That years was ago? the Grand Victory. It was the Grand Victory. I wonder if that's when I met you there. Possibly, it's possible. So I went there and I saw a few people that I thought I might have an issue with, and they were like, "Oh, what's going on?" And gave me hugs and shit, and I was like, "All right, cool." That right. welcoming feeling. And, 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 and nothing happened. So I was like, "Listen, either something's gonna happen or nothing's gonna happen." Well, and I'm all on solo, so what's up? Like whatever. <laughs> and then nothing happened, and it was everything was fine, and it was a great fucking show because Leeway's what Lee and I always I, I said this often too. Every time I see Eddie, all, almost every time I see Eddie, I look at him like you had a reason, and he's like. <laughs> Like, you're the reason why I'm fucking, why I'm the way I am. Like, it's all, <laughs> all of this right here is all your fucking fault. <laughs> because your fucking band was the one that fucking catapulted me into this fucking shit. And I can't get out, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man. Love Eddie. I love, I, love, I love Eddie too yeah. Eddie's always been a very big supporter of you know of the mm-hmm. band uh, I Urban Waste I think was one of the first bands he saw yeah. back in the in Queens and back in the day so well, probably so I fucking love putting him and Johnny next to each other because like, so a lot of people think like oh the skinniness the two that look uh-huh. like you know yeah. much love to both of them you of know, know but as I was saying you know, um, I uh for as I started to get older, I, when I was like around eighteen or nineteen, uh, as I was saying, seeing like No Vice and seeing all these bands that were playing out, and uh, even my drummer, our drummer was Stooley or Mike. Yeah, he had he was in a great band that was around for a while. One of the best Long Island bands I ever I think was around the like, Gangway. Okay, they were and they had, like had a lot of scotch in their in their songs, but they knew how to like t- twist it from like two step in the scot to, to, to kicking it up fast. Yeah, they were cool too. You know, and um. I started to realize that a lot of bands, um, it wasn't just about the 80s anymore, because so many people were so focused on whether it was the 80s or the 90s, and if it wasn't the two anymore, yeah. that means this was dead, no one was doing this anymore, you know, kids, their phones, all that nonsense, but you know, like... You know, if it's fucking, if it sounds good, it's fucking good, nothing's dead. Exactly. Things, things change, the crowd changes, people come, people go, the sounds of bands, like, like you know, obviously... When I had Johnny on, when I did that five-part series, you know, 
I focused on, you know, all those old school bands that played the A7 and yes. shit like that. Like, you know, obviously bands that are coming out in 2017 to 2019, even like the last like 10, 15 years don't sound like that. There's a progression. Yeah, well, that's what I used to, that's what I was thinking of, you know, like there are mo- most bands usually don't and it took me a while to find those bands yeah. that could be like, all right, this actually sounds like something that doesn't even belong in this time period. Right. That's what I really appreciated. Like, so... I uh, I discovered this dude uh, Brandon Farrell, and like I was saying to you before, and he had this whole score of these different bands he was either a part of or in, and when you hear them, Jimmy, you're just like, dude, yeah. like what what are these what are these dudes like? What, yeah. Where were these dudes at the yeah. entire time? And I'm talking about like they were doing this stuff like between like '99 and 2001. Like I mean, you heard Music Municipal Waste. He was part of that band too, Brandon as well. Yeah. Like, and you're just like, wow. Like I mean, I remember first hearing Municipal Waste. I thought. I thought it was DRI for a split second, for like a tad second because of the vocalist. Sure. And then I was told, oh, no, dude, just did Municipal Waste. I was like, this is new? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and then Wisdom and Chains, they are another band. And then I was like, wow, so like, these guys sound like they came out in like the late 80s and but started they're fucking early 90s. melodic, but they're fucking, it's like Richie, shout out to Richie Crutch, the guitar player. He fucking, like, one voice is his, one, one voice, that's his racket. So, like, I get, like, where he's coming from. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the Bible to him. Is that one record? I mean, it's 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 it, you know, it, it, you know, a lot of people who can you can literally hear the in the major influences of their album. Yeah. I don't I don't really know what people hear. I mean, anymore when they hear Urban Waste. I mean, when Johnny talks to me about the old school lineup, I know for them a huge part of it was the Ramones and the Bad Brains. Right. You know, because that as was, was everyone. Everyone. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Because there wasn't a million bands. Or, or there was, the, I mean, there was a lot, but a lot of them like lasted what, like fucking, even did any shows a year or two, maybe, maybe didn't Not even put even. out a demo, so it's, yeah. all, it's all you know, so no one even knows. But like, there wasn't a lot of bands. I mean, it's it, it, at least not in New York. I mean, how many bands really were there? Uh, you know, honestly, I, I I love asking him those type of questions because it's like from what either what he can remember or from what he's a million guys. fucking hardcore bands now. now. So, I mean, so how are you guys even like? Uh, uh, that's why I know it's it's always a very interesting thing. Like, you know, the influences were very different for what they were creating for people to be influenced now. You know? And what's incredible is that they would like I was just saying like there was, there wasn't as many. And they all had that same kind of style for the most part. Yeah, I, I love the speed, man. <laughs> yeah. So and and but all of that, that all that little mishmash of shit, which was contained on one corner in a fucking room. The dance floor is what three times the size of the room that was sitting there. <laughs> now. You know what you I see mean? See that A7 room? That room was tiny, it's man. Fucking, bro, it's three times the size like, of this little fucking office. Dude, dude. Like, and for, but from that, and then you go on YouTube and just type up like Agnostic Front Dynamo Festival, and then it's like, like sixty thousand wow. people. I don't even think those people can even grasp. Like, I, it makes you wonder, like the people who. It's incredible what like, was created. Yeah, and right. and how it was created. And how it started, just you know, on based on nothing. Cool. Like, yeah, really. It's like, based on wow. nothing, based on runaway kids, fucked up kids, outcasts, going down to the fucking Lower East Side of Manhattan when it was nothing but blown out buildings and gangs and drugs, and drugs everywhere. And then you were like these skinny little fucking skinheads with boots and braces that all congregated down to this one spot through word of mouth, friend by friend by friend, and then it spawned. 
It's it, incredible to sit there and really dissect it and think about it. I think it's a it, it's interesting, you know, to say how how people start off when they when they first get into a scene. I mean, you usually have the people come from like really broken down families or you know like drug related. Something's issues. wrong with all of us. Uh, yeah, exa- exactly. You know, like yeah, I wish most people can accept that, but I feel like in our circle of people, we've accepted what we are in our right. issues and work on them. Right. Well, you know, every, there's something wrong with everybody, and that, that's. One thing I could definitely say, like, it made me feel like home, like, man, I'm not the only one. Holy no, fuck, dude. not at all. Dude, there's definitely something wrong with the fact that, that a whole shitload of people can gather together in a room and go fucking nuts to this band who's playing 9,000 miles an hour and beat the shit out of each other out of fun. Yeah, people falling down. Everybody, but there's six people up. picking you up. Yeah, and everyone, look, everyone from the outside always looks like it's too violent. And they're screaming. Well, it's violent. Like, oh yeah, it's violent. It, it is. Off, but you can you catch the happiest shit that people can, you know, experience, which is weird. Smiling. Yes, yeah, so that's what's smiling. That's what's like uh, amazing about it. Is I definitely think uh, hardcore, punk, you know, even metal. Just mm-hmm. these these genres are just so. Distinct compared to the rest of the music. I mean, music is uh, as a musician, you grow to love everything. Like, I mean, I range from like I can put on my girlfriend and I can put on like the Beatles. I mean, those sure. like, Blues Brothers. Then I can listen to like Poor Righteous Teachers and Nas and Biggie yeah. and Pac and Wu Tang. But then I'll throw also like like the Cro-Mags on there since like Sick of It All or you know like Nasty Fun. Sure. Uh, it's I'm the same way. You look at my fucking iPod, it's ridiculous. Oh, shit. It looks like I'm yeah, schizophrenic. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, right? Like, I, I love it, though. I mean, like, yeah. I, to me, because I was never one of those type of people who felt like age meant that you had to completely throw away things you used to love or listen to especially and then start listening to new stuff. My iPod's just filled with stuff that's just Fuck all that. grown you know, over the years. Yeah, that's like that square shit. Like, oh, like, are you ever going to grow up? No. No, I'm not. I, I can't say, though, that, you know... I have my responsibilities, but I still do yeah. the same shit to this day that I've done, that I was doing when I was fucking 19. Oh, exactly. Oh, my God. I mean, I... For, and I, I guess for me, I guess since I'm 28, I have to say I was doing since I was, like, 13. Right. You know, I, but it, it, it doesn't... I always felt like age... I was watching people around me just... Like, it would be, like, it was weird. Like, going to, like, at the time I got into, like, high school, or I was in college, because I went to, like, Suffolk Community College for uh-huh. a semester, like, to, like, liberal arts, because I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. I did, too. Yeah, so I, I was, like, watching all these people, and it would seem like every single day, like, people were like, oh, dude, you're still wearing that, like, uh, I used to have this Headbangers, original vintage 1985 Headbangers ball jacket. And, uh, and people, heavy. You know, people would see that, and then they would see, like, the symbol and know, oh, that's definitely from, like, the 80s. I'm like, yeah, was like, S.O.D. was the theme song for it. Right. And um, they'd be like, you're still wearing that? And I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, why, why wouldn't I stop wearing it? Before? Yeah. Like, and they go, oh, I just, you know, I just figured, you know, you wore it back when you were in high school. And I was like, yeah, but that was like three, four years ago. So yeah. what? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not supposed to just stop liking the things I do because I hit a certain age. And I just feel like I was watching because that happen. Because what quote-unquote society says, so you're supposed to be a fucking <laughs> follower, like 98% of fucking society. Oh, okay. and, yeah, and then you have to follow trends. Oh, Get the fuck out of here. Keith Moore said it, like, you know, like, oh, you people just... I, I, I don't even believe that the status quo on families and relationships are even the same anymore. Like, no. I mean, he, he, you know, you're supposed to grow up, get married, have like a white picket fence, and do all that. Oh, it's, this ain't 1955 uh, no more, kid. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the gas is like two something, you know, not 17 cents. Right. So uh, it's like, uh, I, I was just 
you know, really discouraged seeing a lot of these people. I, you know, I thought they were like posers, just yeah. changing and just throwing away stuff that they they genuinely one minute they truly seem like they cared about, sure. and now it's like they don't anymore. And that's the one thing I love about hardcore is like the biggest person who's had such a positive influence on my life is I'm shout out to this motherfucker, Jimmy G, man. Who I hope you're feeling better. Yeah, you know, too. sending you love, man. From always from the waste crews. Uh, he, he, I, from the moment I saw Murphy's Law for, I was like 17 years old so Murphy's Law so time. fucking and, great live and, man. every time every single time I've never been disappointed Me I've either. never I've never gone every time I've been bumped out and I can, I've been revitalized by them and Jimmy, always Jimmy, Raven, Rodney the, the, the Christian whole gang Chris yep. they do such a good job of just entertaining people being positive and, yep. and sure everyone's going through their you know has their issues and go, has their ups that's and why you go to show you exactly. work that shit out of the show. I mean, I'd say probably the best shows that, um, and I have to exclude my band because, I mean, obviously I would always say, oh, urban waste, urban waste, urban waste. But, right. Um, some of the best shows that I've seen that have done this like revitalization of like my of my happiness or just spring me back up, especially if you know you've been working so so much, you feel burnt out, and you, you hate, hate your you, fucking boss. Yeah, you hate your boss. You know, you hate your life. You feel the rep- the rep- the, rep- the repetitive nature yeah. of every single day, the nine to five, you know, work grind, and right. you just want some something different. So when you go to these shows, man, like I'd say, definitely. My, um, one time, uh, Rachel and I, uh, you, you know Rachel, like, blonde-haired, probably. my girlfriend yet? I, I've probably seen her as oh, Skinny, yeah. white, backpack, little your girl, she's beautiful. But, probably. You know, God bless your soul, baby. <laughs> you know, um, we drove 10 hours to, uh, like last year to Cleveland, Ohio to see Career Suicide. Okay. I, got, I got these motherfuckers tattooed on me, God yeah. sakes, when I was in Mexico, and, um, it, man, this, we played play this venue in Cleveland, Ohio, known as Now That's Class. One of my favorite spots we ever played in. It was like a little. It has two stages. You know, we walk into you know, and there's a bar. Obviously, you know, when you when you walk into the left left hand side, you see everything. But it had ramps in it, like skate ramps. So you could be in this little oh, joint, skating in this joint, and, and it could pack out. Like, oh my god, I want to say 100, 200 people. But right. it's like it's, it's dinky and tiny. Right. So I mean, we drove ten hours to see these guys and. Just the idea, knowing that man, there are so many people around the world who do stuff like that. I I can't tell you. I don't think there's other people who literally will get the same warm, welcoming feeling that you get when you do that for hardcore bands. Right? No, you don't. You drive you drive all the way to Philly for this is hardcore. You fly over to Every LA. Year. You know, you fly in for LA for a great show over there. You fly to New York for the Black and Blue Bowl, yeah. or across the you know the to, to to London or wherever over there for festivals. It's amazing. You know, it, it's quite an amazing feeling that people just do things like that. Dude, there was a guy that flew all the way from fucking, what was it? I think it was either Germany. Germany. I, I always want to say France, but no. But it was a dude. I wish I remembered his name. I have a picture with him. when I, I did a veteran's benefit at Lucky 13 when Leeway headlined. Motherfucker came from Germany to go to the fucking show. Wow. To see Leeway play in a tiny little shit bar. That's what I'm talking about. I'm like, really, dude? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you flew. Like, you fucking... Like, do you understand what that takes? Like, you're working on your work schedule. You find out about the show. You put in notice to take off of work. You fucking book hotels, book flights. Make sure that you maybe have to rent a car. Find out the fucking bus schedule or whatever. When you get to America... 
to come and see Leeway do like a forty-five minute set in a bar. That's what I'm saying. That's insane. And it's like you know, I mean, and yeah, I know I said before, people traveling great distances for a band, but we're not talking about like Van Halen or Metallica or Slayer here. We're talking about like these hardcore bands who've been around forever, busting their asses, and they still playing in like. Bar, dive bars, yeah. houses, basements. I mean, you know, agnostic for the sake of it all, they go back and forth between playing, getting the like, and they're so honored and humbled to be even a part of these festivals because yeah. they're so used to playing these stages and arenas for people that just fill out maybe what 30, 50 people total. Right, right. And I, that's what that's what I think is just amazing. Just to hear people going all over doing things like that is just awesome. wow. So, yeah. Yeah, we, so we went like it's the most loyal fan base I believe for yes. any, for any music genre period yes there ain't nobody flying overseas to go see Jay-Z and, you know, oh yeah, yeah. without nobody no, no, you know no one's doing that you know for Kanye West you think people are doing that no mm-hmm. uh, it's like ugh. I'm like I'm dumbfounded because it also is breaking these barriers of like you know you listen to this band I mean you know these guys the increased suicide they're, they're from Canada right I mean you know it it, it do you, you like him from Canada, from Mexico? There's no... That's one of the things that I also felt really comfortable, too, was just the endless cultural diversity that is embraced in this hardcore punk metal community. Yeah. You know, between, you know, whites, men, women, and yeah, I know a lot of the old schoolers back in the day would be like, there's rarely any women around, but it's nice not, to see... It's not true anymore. Yeah. There's, there's girls all over. Oh, my God. I mean, I can't sit there and tell you how many times I've seen, I mean, my old girlfriend, I mean, when you see her at Murphy's Law, she is just diving all over yeah. the place. This tiny girl going all over the place, and it gets other girls to come out and start doing it, and yeah. I, I'm all for that. Yeah, you know, listen. Fucking come out, have a good fucking time. That's yeah. just the whole point. Is I don't care who you bring are. your mom and your dad for Christ's sake. For real, I mean, I would love that. It, my parents would never come and see no. me, me ever. Mine never would have either. They, they always thought I was crazy. Yeah, I mean, but I still do. But they were cool. I mean, they were cool with it. They were like, whatever, that's fine. Yes. Yeah, but nah, I don't want to bother. I mean, uh, it would be nice, you know. But at the same time, I understand it and get that. Yeah, you know, but uh, you know, I. Uh, I, I, my life changed when when I when I joined this band. I was, yeah. How did that all happen? Like, like, let, let's let's go back for a second because we're just blah 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 blah, which is fine. We're, we're just going off on tangents, which is fine. But when, because right, Urban Waste broke up in what year? So Urban, Jesus Christ! The, the, the original Urban Waste lineup was from 1981. To eighty four, and right. that was the V lineup, like you know the old school lineup, the famous right. lineup. Right. So you know after that, you know Johnny and John Dancy went on to major conflict right. in the mid to late eighties, and then right. they, he stepped out to do music and started going through stuff in his life. If you want an old school urban waste refresher course, listen to I don't remember what it is, but go back and it's the Johnny Waste episode. series OG, the part five of OG series. Yeah, he's part two. Yes, um, is he part two? You yeah. know more than I yeah. do. I, I love that dude. That was yeah. my favorite. That's my favorite. Uh, the little batch you did right there. <laughs> um, I, and then the Urban Waste was formed in 2002. But John, it was Johnny Waste and John Dancy. And they had um, Johnny's uh, friend Tony okay. playing bass. And his, I guess I want to say his adoptive son, Zach. Okay. Zach was someone who Johnny was taking care of in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And he was like his legal guardian. Right. So he brought Zach into the hardcore fold. And Zach's sending you love, too. He's, he's just like my girlfriend is a chef. And, he, and he's... Was a killer dude. I actually sang with him at one moment, believe it. I'll get to that. Nice. Cool. Um, cool. So that was like 2002, and they were 2002 or 3 so they were doing something, and then they couldn't keep it together again. But then uh, I saw them with Kenny singing at the Bell House. 2009, with Agnostic Front. Yes. And Antidote. 
Correct. Yes, I watched that, those videos many times. You weren't there. I wasn't there, but I want. But I, yes, visually, I, I get to see what yeah, is happening. I was there. Um, I, it was amazing. Yeah, that, you know that's that an old show school. was fucking great. That, that's fire right there. That's old yeah. school right there. You know, and um, uh, now and the Urban Ways got back together. I don't know if you ever heard that they did this big A seven reunion. Yes, in two thousand eight, and they had like um, I know Absolution um, play. You know, Urban Ways, the Antidote brought back together. Uh, the Abused. Uh, I, I, and I want to say I, I just a shit ton of yeah. all these er, early, you know, influential New York hardcore bands, like first wave bands, and I, you know, I heard about this, and, and this was around a time like uh, people were doing MySpace, it was like late two thousands. Okay, so they, everyone was talking. I never really did any of that shit, like what AOL Instant Messenger. AOL. I never did AOL Instant Messenger ever, but I was on MySpace. I never, I, I was always out. Right. I was either always out, and I, I was always either playing video games with people or friends. And, you know, I, I even one moment. Try to pursue that professionally, and I was did that for a minute. Right, but then uh, you know, um, or I was out going to shows. Right. So then once I realized I heard they were back, I was like, I was like, all right, I guess I'll just get like a Facebook. This was around like two thousand nine at this moment. So, um, and I saw that Urban Waste was back. So I had no idea who I was talking to. I mean, Johnny could probably find these old transcripts. So I immediately messaged him like, "Big fan, I've been listening to you guys since I was sixteen years old. I can't even believe you guys are making up." Fanboying fan out. You know, right. I was talking to him. Oh, God. How I talked to him then, how I talked to him now, or just yeah. night and day, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still respect Johnny more than everything. He, him and Kenny saved and changed my life, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, you know, they, I was turning, I think, 19 at the time. It was 2010. Uh, 2010. God, it seems like such a lifetime ago. And oh they did two shows in... Queens, I want to say, or New York. They did one at the Knitting Factory okay. and one somewhere else. And when the Knitting Factory was still in the city, yeah. Okay. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I went there and I saw the play. I mean, it was the Urban Ways, Down Low, uh, Yoskunt, and there was a few other bands. You know, there was really happening bands around the time. Down Low was props to Joe Down Low, great hardcore yeah. band. Um, I got inebriated. Yeah, and I it was so uh, all over the place. I remember meeting Johnny and talking to him. There's pictures of it too. I've got no hair, no dreads, nothing clean shaven. Yeah. You go, who fucks his baby go yeah. here? Uh, and uh, this is a f- bald fanboy. They dedicated this sh- to show to my birthday, and I missed the whole dedication because I was passed out outside with my friends, drunk as well, like punk rock man. Yeah. And I, I remember getting back and messaging Johnny the next day, like, dude, what happened? And he was like. I think the alcohol might have taken over, you think? And I was like, oh, dude, I was so bummed out. And they told me that they were playing um, playing a few shows throughout the... And that was uh, August, September. I, I, sometime, I want to say... Actually, I can't even tell you. So sometime between the spring or, or early... Like, spring and summertime of 2010. They, they were right. doing those shows. Um, but then they were playing around. I was seeing them and hearing about them. But then when they did my birthday show... It was a, a few weeks before it, but they did it in like August or September, like way weeks before it. I don't know, we were up, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about here. Right. It's so hard trying to dust off these old memories. <laughs> I, listen, I get it. Always, yes. always off the cuff here on this podcast. You know, um, so I, I met them and they were down to earth people, and that's one of the things because I was expecting it so much people, better. I was expecting these people who were just going to be in a corner away from everybody else who didn't want to be bothered meeting or the fans backstage yeah. and like hiding. I yeah, fuck all that. I, I think it's a rarity that I've seen that happen with bands even through all the years I've been going right. to shows. There's a few. You know, um, yeah, there's a few. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, met, I, met, I saw them again 
playing, uh, God knows, they played at this little venue that used to be out in Long Island, out in Shirley. It was talking about way out there east, uh, Candy's Pub. Okay. Really popular v- venue that was happening around the early, like, um, Late 2000s, early uh, 20, uh, 2010s, if you call this decade. And the Urban Waste was playing there. So I saw them playing um, around this time, and I got really acquainted with them. And by this moment, it was winter of 2010. Okay. So, you know, we were talking for months, Johnny and I, going out and seeing them and whatnot and supporting the band. And this time, I actually, like, grabbed the mic and sang a little bit in public opinion. And this was December 18th, 2010. This is where, okay. like, the knowledge was getting high. So the first time I sang uh, really with them was, I guess, that night. Was singing like kind of public opinion with with Kenny, but by myself, I want to say, uh, God, I'm going. It's almost going to be. Uh, I guess I would say January twenty first, twenty eleven. Okay, it was uh, at Candy's, and Kenny didn't show up. And Kenny was going through all these this weird moment of time where. He was having these personal issues. Him and John Dancy were, but Dancy was still playing shows. And Urban Ways had to cancel a lot of shows around that time. Okay. That they were supposed to be a part of, like, the, the Black and Blue Bowl. Things didn't go as well planned. And, you know, I'm sure Johnny w- w- said all this in his episode, too. I gotta remember. I would have to go back and listen. So, um... I remember going over to Johnny and I said, yo, why don't you do one of those old school hardcore karaoke type nights where the band just plays and whoever knows the songs can come up and just grab the mic like an open mic night. Little did I know I ended up singing 98% of that set list <laughs> and they had just released the Recycled album at the time. Right. So I was in love with that album. Still am. Right. Great album. The second Urban Waste album. Very underrated. Unfortunately, it got treated poorly in the in the production part of the process of it and it was just left in Johnny's lap after all the hard work they put into it right. it's got great songs in it that we still even do to this day and I was singing those songs and he hadn't posted the lyrics to them yet on the internet uh. so he's looking at me over here like how the fuck do you know all these words dude yeah. and I'm like I fucking love you guys that's why I know these words man <laughs> so um you know, our, our, our guy who used to book, our friend How, old friend Howie, he used to book a lot of shows back then for us, and he helped push, you know, as well as, you know, this guy is really positive, he's been around for a while, you know, you need this, and probably by the end of 2011, I mean, we were, Urban Waste was going through this weird shambles where I was there with the band, as Johnny used to put it, he wanted me there to be like the MC. Right. So at this moment, it was like 2011, and, uh... I was just like hanging out with these guys. I mean, there was me, there was Zach. He sang back in 2002. I was doing shows with him, and then Kenny would just be here and there. Right. You know, and I was coming here and practicing with, you know, with the band and just hanging out here, getting to know Johnny, his family, and it was an honor. Like, I, I never even thought, I don't even think hardcore people in hardcore bands did that because guys who were, you know, who've been playing music or been a part of a musical scene or score for 30 plus years, getting this teenage kid to yeah. be a part of the band, it was like a, like a head turner for a minute. Yeah. And eventually, I remember um, Johnny calls me up and it was like mid to mid 2011. He was like, He's like, hey man, you uh, you want to sing tonight? And I was like, yeah. And we were doing this house party over for my dr- or current drummer before years before he was in the band. His parents flew le- left town, so he was like, oh, let me have a party in my house real fast. Oh and shit! He had us there. Nice. God bless your soul, Stooley. And um, <laughs> I'm I was always playing my house. I was up there by myself, and people were like, oh my god, like you're you're singing for them now. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, I told Johnny, I was like, is this it now? And he's like, yeah. So, you know, Kenny came back and did one more show, 
and that was at the Hill Tap. And I think this was like September 18th, 2011. And this video is footage of him and I singing together. I actually went by Jay Waste at the time. Okay. Yeah, it was very interesting form of scenarios, but Kenny that night passed the torch to me. I mean, he goes over to me and said, that there's too many things happening with myself and I can't fully be here anymore. I don't have the energy for, you know, you know the usual sure. type of spiel. And he's like, don't tell Johnny, but I'm forgetting the lyrics that I wrote like 30 plus years yeah. ago. So I was like, all right. You know, I, I started, so I took over and he, I was like, hey, he's like, this band needs you. You got a lot of anger and angst and, you know, you're perfect for it. So from then on, I was just singing. Somehow people, I guess it was going by word of mouth, people heard Urban Ways got new singer and Kenny moved on. I mean, and after I joined the band... But Kenny actually passed the torch right to you. To me, yeah. Which is which is awesome. Which, and, and you know, and God rest his soul, because, you know, I, I uh, thought nothing about him. I mean, it was such a horrible way to hear that he had passed. I mean, we, we just did a tribute to him at the Tompkins Square Park Show. Yeah. We raised about $700, $800 for yeah. the Second Chance Animal Rescue for, and for for his benefit as well. Yeah. Um, he was a big influence, especially on me vocally, and Johnny has been a positive influence in me I mean, going throughout my life. Yeah. I mean, I, I could have fallen off the wagon with depression and drugs sure. if, before I met him. They, they really changed my life. They were the first people who truly made me feel like, gave me the confidence within myself stuff to stand on stage be confident with about myself yeah. and not have any fear about it and uh, second guessing myself right so I it's a fucking I'm, beautiful thing so you know I joined the band and next thing I know we're going up and down the east coast we're doing all these shows playing all these shows I'm starting to write lyrics and music with Johnny and by this moment it was myself Johnny Waste Jimmy Duke and uh, and Tony Ricky and Tony was eight, was playing with the band ten years prior, so twenty twelve. So by it was perfect. Yeah. And Jimmy Duke, we we took from we I guess we can't say we took, but he joined us from the oh, another old school New York hardcore band, uh, Ultraviolence. Okay, oh beautiful. Yeah, he okay. drummed for them and then joined us. So by that moment, we we were going uh, all over up and down the East Coast, and then we went to Europe for about a week. And that was one of the greatest tours of and time periods of my life. That was the reception over there. In Unbelievable! Europe. It was unbelievable. Right? Uh, I mean, we uh, all the shows we played. I mean, all the plays we played. They were just unbelievable. There's yeah. mouth dropping. I mean, there was you have people who aren't even speaking English singing these yeah, words. It's fucking and, yeah. And it was unbelievable. And the thing that I really appreciated the most was I felt like since we went to this transition of having a new lineup and now Johnny is a sole original member, Urban Waste had to start over. Yeah. So we started up from the bottom back up, and you know, I, I, people either lost contact with us or weren't paying attention to us anymore, and seeing the potential that we had because of the change. Sure. So that happens with bands. I mean, oh yeah, happens with. I mean, happens with a lot of bands. A lot of people look at bands with a lineup, and I mean, look at the Chromax. Right. God knows how many people are fixated on a lineup, a time period, or an album. Right. And when I looked at the band as a whole, and I like everything that they were done with, regardless of who was in it. Right. So I mean, I, I took a long time to struggle with that, and it was a band I, I felt like I was pushing people away. When in reality, it was actually the opposite. People were starting to come to to it, and you know, and gain respect for the band because they just reformed themselves in this way, and then now are like coming back from the ashes of what people thought they were over. Sure. So, uh, I mean, we ended up going to California, I mean, Mexico, Canada, awesome. and I never thought in a million years that I would be doing all these things, getting your name out there, your musical message, and now... And just traveling. And just yes. hanging out with your friends and just doing something that you, obviously, from a young age... 
was drawn to. Exactly. And I mean, I, I couldn't and even And being a singer for a band that you loved before you even, even were in them. It. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I couldn't even believe it. I mean, I, I could sit there and you tell my 16-year-old self, hey, in three years, you're going to join this band and do all these things with them. You know, I, I would have never believed you. So then, uh, you know, it's like me, you know, singing for, you know... For, for sick of it all when Lou Kohler retires, right, Lou? <laughs> Jump right up on that. <laughs> Lou, you, you, you got you, you got you got you don't have shops like him. <laughs> no fucking way. They did that 30 year anniversary tour, bro, the, the, the Triborough yes. tour. Bro, I sang one verse of Rat Pack at the fucking Bowery Electric. How was your voice after that? I was I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> I handed Lou the mic back and it was quiet because it was like in between two songs. I even said I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> it's like it's all I had to do. I was told I was gonna die. I say one fucking verse of Rat Pack. I have asthma. Man. Can't fucking do that. I'll I die within the first fucking half of the first set. Uh, you know, I, I I used to sing the same exact thing when I used to, when I first started singing too. Like how much to sing these songs? They're fast as hell. The words are just coming yeah. out at a million miles per hour. And I'm like looking at this thing like, well, you're gonna be gone by a show. Asthma pump. Never had an asthma attack once singing. Really? I've gone to the hospital once. This was. March 31st, 2012. Well, you have asthma, too. Yes. Okay. So it was March 31st, 2012. So you sing for Urban Waste with asthma. Yes. <laughs> and I sing all these words. And, and it's you, fast, and man. If you see us play, we're like a blur. Try taking pictures of us. It'll every, never, it'll every, never every, happen. Every, you, you guys played the first show that I ever booked. Yes. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for showing up. But I've taken several pictures of you guys, but like I wouldn't even post half of them because... They were blurry. Yes, everything was blurry. Yeah, we uh, we're getting. We're just don't out. fucking stop moving. I can't, I can't stop moving. Literally, I mean, well, I, that's I, a good thing. If you yeah. try to duct tape my feet together, I yeah. probably end up ripping off my own kneecaps. Yeah. To you know, yeah, and it's not really a thing where you're supposed to fucking pose for pictures. So I get it. <laughs> I, I ended up in the hospital uh, that day because we went to New Hampshire. We played this basement show, and it didn't snow in Long Island. It was very humid that year. Okay. So when I went up there, oh man, my bronchitis and asthma kicked in like a motherfucker. I could not breathe, and I was talking like this the entire time, like really like rashing horse. And I couldn't talk at all, but I could sing songs. Yeah. So Johnny's looking at me like, "How are you singing these songs, bro? But you can't even breathe right now." It's like so Ozzy Osbourne. I kept drinking like coffee and warm hot tea, and I ended up going. And they took me to the hospital after I had the show. Like we had to cut our. We did thirty songs. I thirty songs. Imagine this. Thirty songs. And yes. how long? Forty minutes. Yeah, like I tell you, it was like 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. I, we were just go like really fast in these songs, and Johnny's so, so comical. There's a video of this on YouTube, and he's just like, thanks everybody who came out, but uh, does anyone know where the nearest hospital is? Because we got to go. <laughs> so they take me over there, and we were what a shit show. What a shit show that was, man. Snowing. They had to take me, drive through the snowstorm to get me to this hospital. Jimmy Duke and Tony are waiting outside, and I had Johnny just waiting for me inside. I'm dying in this in the ER waiting for them and I have these nurses hitting on me in front of Johnny like I'm telling them oh do I gotta take off my clothes to get into the robe and they're like you don't have to take off your clothes sir but we wouldn't mind it oh, and I'm boy. looking back at him like dude like these like 60 something year old women here over here and I'm like uh, can you guys take me to like my nearest nebulizer and stop hitting on yeah. me like, it's a little uh, like yeah. so uh, I wanna breathe it was we played a show we started playing a lot of shows at Murphy's Law again and Jimmy I can't stand and tell you how many times Jimmy will sit there and be like 
Johnny kept the band going in its existence and Josh saved the band. Now, I will disagree with this statement all the time because in my eyes, Johnny Ways created this band and is still here. So in my eyes, he saved the band and he's still doing it because... He's the only person who allowed, or I like to think is either picked members or has had members come to him showing interest in wanting to be in the band. Right. So, um, Jimmy's always saying these nice things because I don't know if you Jimmy's knew. Jimmy's a fucking sweetheart of a guy. Murphy's Law used to go into his bedroom and practice in Johnny Way's bedroom when everybody used to have the, the trash cans and the lids oh, for freaking drum symbols. So, Murphy's Law, and Jimmy Gold is like this with him and his family because they, they used to live near each other yeah. in Astoria. And Ravenswood and such too. So um, we started playing. I think one of the first shows we did with them was at the Trash Bar. God, this was a beautiful venue in Brooklyn. One of the best. I was venues. there. I think one of the top. Like that. That question gets thrown around. Like, well, what are your favorite shows ever? I'm not going to say it was my favorite show because that's a really tough question to answer. Yes. I've been to a million shows. But for some reason, one of the shows that pops out in my head. It was Murphy's Law. It was Jimmy G's Legal Defense Fund show. I remember this. It, Antidote played. The Mugs played. There was... Uh, I don't remember who else played. But Murphy's Law fucking played. And they played for like... Two hours. I love that. I love, At the, least. I love when they do that. At least. I, I was standing on the side of the stage. I was talking to you know, Big Mike Smash. Yep. And he like grabbed me. He's like, they're still going to play. It was like song after song. Yo, it was like at least two hours long. At least. That's like DRI. Have you Stigma DRI? played that night too. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Well, I, I just love the mugs. I remember that. It was like mugs, maybe somebody else, antidote, and on the flyer it's his last show ever. And then it was like, <laughs> and then, uh, that was yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it was like there was like 2009 or something. And then it was uh, stigma and Murphy's Law. It was Jimmy G's defense legal defense fund show, and it was one of the greatest shows I've ever been to. That was a trash bar. That was, that was a trash bar. Right, that's right. What a rat hole shit. Oh, man. That rat stage hole. was so it was nasty. beaten up and disgusting, man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you, you, you could walk in there with a clean pair of shoes. And after filthy. a Murphy's Law show, you'd be filthy. Filthy. Throwing sneakers away at the end of the show. Nam Lee joined, uh, joined us. For, she joined, She was in another band with, with our, our, old, our old drummer, Jimmy Duke. All right. And uh, they were in a band called Iconicide. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. They usually heard do, of them? I'm not familiar with them, though. They do a lot of... They set up a lot of shows. Chris Iconicide sets up a lot of shows at Tompkins Square Park. Okay. I don't know if they still play as much anymore, but they... The two of them were in a band together, so Nan Lee left. She wasn't in a band. She, she you know, she was... Uh, also doing High Team Boogie, which is another great band people should check out if, if they want some really good rock and roll, punk rock. Okay. So She um, was in the band when you guys played my first show. Yes. Yes. So Nanley joined us, uh, I think it was December 29th, 2012, and it was her first show, it, and last show of the year, and it was her first, uh, her first show, and she knocked it out of the ballpark, yeah. really. Jimmy G was so surprised because he'd seen her other band. Yeah. So uh, he was like, so, oh, so happy to know that she was in the band, and Nanli has really just been a blessing since she, she's joined us, and she's been such a staple, and yeah. people recognize her all over now for of being course. the band. I mean, you ever see her play with that fucking thumb band? It's crazy. It's an unbelievable. Yeah. So once we got her, I mean, we were like this, we were just still just touring and doing the minute. We were, now we were almost in the progress of writing the Waste Creek, which we released uh, on CD, 
Um, and which was great. It had Roger singing on it, and, and Vinny Stigma played a guitar, a whole guitar with, with Non Lee on a song. Great. You know, and they were so, it was amazing. It was right while they were recording The American Dream Died. Uh, so, uh, Roger. That was an incredible record they put out. Oh, I love that record. It's so throw, it's such a throwback, it's you know. The 37 second songs, I was like, wow. I'm all about it. You know, uh, I, he, he told, he's sitting there messaging Johnny and myself saying that he did like one song I think it was Your Hypocrisy I, I, I sing the first verse and then Roger sings the second verse right and he's singing one Roger is singing my words which is just mouth dropping yeah that's he's like, like a holy shit moment he right? listened to this whole thing and loved it and chose a song that he wanted to be a part of that was old school to him and he chose that song so I was like so honored and humbled by that the so fucking dumb. and I hope you had a wonderful belated birthday bro yes uh, you know um and so it was an honor doing that, and I think he said he, he did it like a bunch of times. I don't know. I don't know how many times, but I remember him. He said he did he recorded the, this track before, right before they did the American Dream. And I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm stopping you from doing your own record. Right. And he's sitting there like, no, I was an honor for Urban Waste to even ask. Urban Waste is one of his favorite bands. Sure. And he he still says that old school man. You fucking they played originally. Fucking eight, no, seven man. shows together and shit. Of course. So like. We released that EP, and that, that was a little, you know, a little, you know, DIY style. You know, we released that ourselves. We recorded that here. You know, where right where, here? Yeah, where, right, well, right where you uh, did yours with Johnny. There's another room over there that we did the recordings in there too, yeah. and everything. And uh, that's on Bandcamp. So yeah. if anyone wants to hear that with our old drummer, it's on Bandcamp. Uh, and now we're, we're in the process of doing this new record, which for the most part, I guess you can't really say it's new because it's a lot of, I, I say revamped songs. So we, the, a lot of the songs that we did in the Waze Creepy, we're just doing redoing now with Stooley because he's taking the songs and just as if they're his own now and plays right. them in his own great way. Right. He pretty much adds so much intensity to the band. Because right. Jimmy Duke had to step out, I think, in... 2014, he was, you know, he had another child, okay. and you know, he's got two kids now. One was like a four year old and a one year old. So yeah. you know, you gotta start focusing on family, All right? And then uh, it's hard to do. It's like somebody like somebody like Roger, like you sort of golf was a hardcore. Yes, song. it's just like that's like I respect that so much. I mean, I, I have no idea because I was never in a band and I was never in a touring band, obviously. But like, in order to be able to juggle that, there's so much sacrifice. In order to do that, in order to have a family and do this, especially as a touring band, it's 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 incredible, and I can't even wrap my head around it. I mean, I um, I I, I, I try to find that balance with work. Right. So for me, it's like I mean, the past in the past ten years, trying to find a, my job will let me go out and go on the road. So you know, it's it. Luckily, so far hasn't been such a challenge. I mean, I, I worked um, at this just. You know, warehouse and shipping, you know, job, a yeah. forklift operator. Yeah. Always been doing that. And the right. past couple of jobs have always been cool with it. My current job has been cool with it. Right. And shout out to Shane, Namir, and the, the uh, Akeem, the boys. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I sometimes like to think that they're, you know, okay, okay with my band. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes my boss has to be my, maybe my boss. Of so, you know, which is understandable. But at the same time, you know, I, I Urban Ways I got tattooed on my right. freaking arm. You know, it's yeah. it's hard. If it's one of the longest things that I. It's the longest thing that, that, that I've been a part of and committed to my entire life. Right. And I will shed blood for this band. Right. And go to be above and beyond further with Johnny and yeah. for him. You know. Yeah. So um, it's in when Jimmy G, uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy Duke left the band. Uh-huh. Uh. Mike uh, was someone Stooley was someone who I've been watching drum in so many bands yeah. he, he is a great drummer and I and I felt like his type of style really 
connected well with ours. Very hardcore punk, very fast, you know, up, upbeat, and uh, yeah, he joined the band and he's fit in very well. Yeah, I mean, he he, we love having him part of part of the band. Everybody else loves him because you know, like I said before, once you get a lineup change, people start you know waning or aren't too sure what the band will sound like. But luckily for us now, I mean, we have had a, this solid lineup. I think you you've seen you know now. Yeah. I mean, I've been in the band I going on nine ten years. Johnny's been in the band since its inception. Yeah. Lee's going six to seven, and Stu and Stooley is hitting, I think, five. Yeah. And it's like, wow, holy shit. You yeah. Know I mean, Who would have yeah. fucking thought? And we have this new record coming out. I mean, I, we uh, we plan on releasing another EP. It's going to be. Uh, have any working titles? Uh, obviously, we, obviously not in set in stone, but not set in stone. But what I was looking at for the new record was called uh, Scared Society. Okay. So, you know, that's one of the. That's the, I want to say the last song or. That we have on the on the, the title track, and it's one of my favorite tracks. That one of the new songs that we, I wrote with the band, and right. I love it. Right. And one of the things that I try to add to the urban waste in this new sound and style is a lot of the modern day such. You know, like if you listen to the old school urban waste, nothing wrong with it. Right. Very fast, aggressive in your face. So I felt like as we were getting older, I was like, you know, let's add some like two steps, let's add some breakdowns sure. in here because there ain't gonna be. There's nothing wrong with change ups within a song. People no. like going fast, but once that heavy breakdown hits, your people. Yeah, that's when people just start going all over. Yeah. So I try to add that, and a lot of people go over to have come up to me over the years and been like, "Dude, your new songs sound so well with the old songs; they mesh really well." Right. So it's it's a blessing to have a lot of people say that. I mean, yeah. I've met great people throughout this entire time, and a lot of influences have become yeah. my friends. Yeah, and you're not pigeonholed into sounding the same way on every single fucking record. No, it's like I'm, I'm, I, I always butcher it, but it's like Vinny Stigma says it. It's like it's like oh, you know, you put out a new record, blah blah. blah I don't like the way you write. But you haven't put out one voice. You, you want it? All right, good. You want to hear fucking one voice? Go listen to one go voice. Listen to fucking one what voice. Want your victim to You go listen to victim to This is our new record. Like, go yeah. fuck yourself if you don't like that. This doesn't sound exactly like the last record. It's not supposed to sound exactly like it. I think Gnostic Front. It's boring. Gnostic Front has this style. If you listen to, because I don't think a lot of people have done that where they've listened to all those albums straight. They're all different. They're all different. They're all different. They're, they're, different. The same, they're all Gnostic Front. They have speed. They have intensity. You have just the way Rogers sings his voice. The way I love Rogers the evolution of Rogers' voice. You listen to it from United Blood to now, but then you listen wow. to him like singing for obviously it's a completely different band. But then you listen to him like in Roger Murray. The disasters, great. It's like, is that really Roger that's singing on Liberty and Justice? It's like, yes. It sounds like two different people. I mean, it's listen to Ryan Ryan Upstart and then listen to fucking Cause for Alarm. Obviously, he's a, there's a big difference in age, but just the, 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 vocal, the vocal style, style is completely fucking different. And it's influential because you know it teaches people that they can have this whole array of influence. They can just they can take Rogers from this time and they can take it from this time. Either way, it's Roger, you know. Right, absolutely. It's so cool about it, and you know, and and that was um, uh, seeing seeing that you know the change amongst them, it, it's it's really cool because to me it's like they don't have to ever really worry about lineup changes. They've had a solid lineup now for a minute, yeah. But they've never been a band that like lets a lineup you know stop them or slow them down. No. And, and that's what I, I love about that bands who can just still do that. Pull off Murphy's Law pulls does it? Yeah. Very well. Jimmy G just seems like he he's got so many former members who are still down to play. Yeah. He can just pull them out of nowhere. Pull out of, yeah. You know, it's cool, but Urban Waste is very. There's a very. I mean, how many bands can you count that have been around for a long time with that the same lineup? Yeah. Oh, sick I know. Of, sick of it all. I mean, sick of it all. You know, really? Yeah, them and um, sick of it all since since '93. Um, now, '94. Like, is it? Yeah, '90. 
before Scratch the Server because Craig joined them in between Just Look Around and Scratch the Surface. Scratch the Surface came out in 94, so from like 93 till this day. Okay. That's a fucking long-ass fucking run. The only other band that I know that I feel I can say that... Um, now, now, they're not straightforward, like, sick of it all. Like, sick of it all has been consistent for years. Like, the mob. But, but all of their fucking records, sick of it all's records are all fucking are different, different as, well. As, as well. Yeah. Like, you know, that, you know I mean, the mob there, you know, shout out to Ralphie G. Absolutely, you shout know, out to Ralphie you know, G. <laughs> like, um, We're taking pictures with the fucking pizza guy at the place when we did our episode. They, uh, <laughs> they have always been that lineup. Yes, yes. They have always been that way. He brags about that, which I love. He does. He absolutely does. He, you know, Ralph, that's what I, one thing I got to say about the mob is like, wow, you guys are still. Because, you know, I say, we've had the opportunity and the the blessed chance of being able to see them play and share a stage with them. Mm -hmm. It's an honor. And to see them play those songs, I mean, uh, like, I was always into. A lot of people like love New York hardcore, and I always feel like a lot of people think when they think of New York hardcore, they think of a lot of the second wave or third wave bands. Because those were the bands I feel like at the time period there was more exposure and light to the thing because hardcore had been around for a little bit. Yeah, and so, it's also the time when, however, however, the metal guy added to it, you know, and also how old you were when you first yes. got into it. But like me, like I've said it before, it's like I got into it. Later, I mean, I wasn't around like eight, seven days. Yeah, you know. But once I got, once I found myself in it, then I went and I studied my lessons and I went back. You see, that's what I did. That's what I, I mean. Did. I, I, I mean, I always feel like you can't like really. I'm always something with with history, man. Always where how things start off. Yeah, and how we get to where you we gotta are. know where the fuck it came from in order to understand that. A probably. lot of people are uneducated when it comes to that. Yeah, man. big time, big yeah. time. And especially with hardcore, I feel like. Um, I always I felt like I had to be educated because right. if I, I didn't want I, I'm I didn't want to seem like a poser and I didn't seem like I didn't know how to know what I was right. talking about. I mean, you never and, think about exactly. I don't know. I'm, I don't claim to be some fucking hardcore historian or that I know everything, but I know shit. Yeah, you know. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, a lot of my friends are like the a lot of the, the part of the old school crowd, and I listen to whatever they tell me, whether they're trying to give positive advice or just talking about stories. Yeah, it's like, that's how I learn more. I mean, sure. Johnny's told me God knows how many stories over the years. Yeah, so I mean, it's been like it's a very great learning experience. Yeah, and absolutely, it adds to your knowledge, and it's like okay, now this is cool. So I know the next time I see this person, like. This is going to be freaking killer, right? You know some shit. You know it's good. It's good shit. It's fucking good shit, man. Well, the good person to talk to is, is definitely is Eddie Leeway. Eddie oh, Leeway man. has so many stories, and he could just he he he's so down to earth, and he's just a very, very chill and nice person to talk yeah. to. I, I love talking to Eddie yeah. when he get the chance to. I need to talk. Eddie was on early. I think Eddie was on like episode like seven. Wow. Yeah, he was early. I know you've been doing this for a couple of years now, right? A little over two years. Nice. Yeah, two years and just a few months. I don't know, two years. Well, honored to be on here, maybe. Man. I don't know, something like that. But what I need to do is, because we were bouncing around, but I know that they had tours set up, and then and then he was going into the hospital and shit, but I need to, I mean, he said he's down, but I need to get Jimmy on here. I haven't oh, had, yes, I, I know. I haven't had Jimmy on. Oh, I know. I mean, that's shocking. I mean, I know. I'm pretty sure Jimmy... Like, I was trying to find Talking about stories. I mean, oh, yeah. Motherfucking toy with the fucking Beastie Boys and all that shit. Like, Jimmy has fucking stories, man. Yeah, Jimmy so. was around for everything. For everything. Everybody, so know, I need to I, sit down for a little while and pick Jimmy's brain yeah. because I could probably talk to Jimmy for hours. I love being around. Like I said before, I love being around Jimmy. Jimmy is always such a positive influence on my soul and on my being. Like, I, he's Jimmy. one of the reasons why I'm on stage and I'm a singer. God bless his soul. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, 
it's been an honor, you know, being a part of this whole entire thing. I've, I've gotten to meet great people such as yourself, uh, Roger, Johnny, Vinny, me, everyone says, you know, everyone's the same thing. Oh, I'm just a normal person, and I, I'm yeah, a normal guy, too, but, you know, everyone who's gotten a chance to see these people or yeah. help be a part but of it. But you know what it is? You love this shit. Yeah, you love this shit, and you're all in. And it's fucking, it's awesome. I like. I, mean, I love this shit. You know what I mean? You like, can't take the smile off my face when I'm at shows. I know, this entire time. How long are we going so far? An hour and six. And you haven't stopped smiling this entire time. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fucking awesome. It's like you're completely yeah. engaged. And, and, and I have been thinking about what I was going to say to you, whatever, you know, but I just feel like just talking. It, it, that, that's all that happened. But, dude, I don't have no fucking notes. I never have notes. You know, well, you know, you're you're a down and chill, and you're one of my friends, and you're a down and chill earth person, so it's like, here, I, so it's just I'm off just sharing my stories, man. I, yeah. I, 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 you know, I've been. I like. I can't say I've been doing this forever, but right. I've been doing it for a, mi- a minute now, and it's great. And I can't wait to see where the next ten years well, lead. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And and it'll be awesome because you're all in, and you're not fucking quitting. You can't quit. No, it's impossible man. for you to quit. I mean, I, I was I was saying, you know, when he's in a wheelchair, I'll be pushing his ass on stage too. There you go. I'll be like, dude, you don't have to stand no more, but you gotta have that guitar in your hand, right. that new guitar, and just play. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna. I, yeah, I can't stop. I mean, I'm not, I won't stop. I mean, I, I would love. You know, there's still so many places to go. I mean, I would love to go to Japan. You know, I'd love yeah. to go back to Europe again. Go back to Canada. Sure. Hit up Mexico again. You know, even America. There's still places Just that we haven't played yet. See shit. Live life, man. Fucking go do shit. I think traveling and touring is a great experience for a person because you get to see the world, experience how other people live, how you, you know, whether it's poverty, you know, the rich, you know, the, the, um, the failing existence the, the pretty much fading off into existence yeah. uh, you know middle class yeah yeah it's it's amazing you get to see things outside your own fucking neighborhood outside you, your city man. it helps you grow yeah it broadens your fucking no, horizons and your mind and shit and uh, I get it and I, I mean obviously like I said I was never in a band and shit like that but you know I don't see myself ever being in a band at this point but it's like something like this like doing this podcast you know I've had, I've said, I don't know if I've ever said it on here, but like I've had the opportunity, like to sit down and have like like me and you, like if if, if I if, if if let's just say I came to come see Urban Waste at a show, yeah. There's so much going on that there's no way that me and you are going to be able to sit here like this and have a conversation. Oh like yes, this. you know what I'm saying. So there's so many people, like I appreciate every single person that was ever on this, but there was those few people. That, like, I'm sitting there, and as I'm talking with them, I'm like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe that I'm actually sitting here and having this long-ass conversation with whoever it might have been that, like, I grew up like you were, like, a fucking hero to me. That's what I'm saying. And then after I'm done, you're thanking me for having the conversation on here? Like, it's very weird to me. It's very weird. I'm glad I am not the only person who's experienced that type of feeling. It's true, and it's very humbling, and I say it a lot, and I love doing this. I don't make a dime off of doing it, and I don't care about that. You know, if, if... if I was in for any kind of money, I would have stopped a long fucking time ago. Listen, DIY for life, man. Doing it yourself. It's right. the best feeling. You're your own boss. And if right. and if you do happen to make a little cash on the side, that's cool. Right. But, you know, it ain't about that. It's not about that. I would never charge anybody for listening to this stuff. Like, uh, no. Like, 
I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. I love selling merch. I mean, you know, like when we get a guarantee, you know, we play of shows. Course. We've gotten n- numerous guarantees over these years, but I've never once been like, oh, it's only about the money. I'm only going to do this, you know. No, like, you I might never. need a certain guarantee to maybe get you to the fucking to put gas in and gas maybe or plane ticket or a fucking subway. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, you know, you're not going <laughs> to fucking swim to fucking Europe. You know what I mean? It's like, what the fuck? I'd you say, you know, throughout our travels, nobody is living in fucking mansions, man. Throughout our travels, I mean, whether we've gotten guarantees or not, we've we've definitely have traveled through some interesting places. I mean, you can definitely tell a place that you're playing whether or not you might get like even if someone promises a guarantee, it's not always going to be always going to be like that. Like I remember there was one time we were playing Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, it's like 2013. We played in a sewer. I don't a know fucking what sewer, Jimmy. Yeah. And um, we were looking, we were driving around this building because the GPS is telling us it's like dead smack in the building. And we're like, what the fuck? So we see a group of punk kids walking down and we were supposed to like, like I think, I don't know, like 200 for this show or whatever. But you walk down, you walk down this side of this auto body shop and I'm talking like, it's like you were walking down those flight of stairs but it, it didn't even look like a, a doorway it looked like it was like a door in the side of like a concrete wall like this and you're just walking down into some dark crevice and then you open up some wooden door and there's just this place with a big freaking sewer tunnel okay. I've never played in anywhere like this and people got like 50 bucks for it but it was like what yeah and how are you like did you imagine like right, someone I have to you- ask real quick <laughs> in between hold on I, I gotta stop it for a second <laughs> You guys, did, was there anything in between? Oh, yeah, we did a whole week of a show, and that was one of the shows that we played. Okay, so that was like in the long stretch of a show. Oh, I was yeah. going to say, because if you fucking drove from fucking Queens <laughs> to go play a sewer tunnel for 50 bucks, honestly, you know, we if motherfuckers ever complain that, oh my god, you spent, you fucking charged $12 for a shirt. Fuck you, man. Yo, man. We play, I swear, we played in some, the, the weirdest things of... I, you know, I guess all bands could say weird things have happened to them, especially why bands like Gnostic oh, like so many stories. Oh, we got some pretty funny stories for things like that, like playing in like a sewer. Like There was one time we got stranded in like the middle of the desert, and it was like nighttime status. We were with our boys in, uh, out of tune. God love you, Uncle Maury, Big Mike, Orgy Boy, Little Mike. Um... We got stranded because like a little piece of something came out of our boy's van, and somehow this little piece stopped the entire vehicle. So we had to like go to try to get to Walmart in the middle of the night. And then mind you, this is like the desert. Yeah, dude. So we're like sitting there, just like my my like adolescent mind is thinking, "Hills of eyes, hills of eyes." Yeah, it's just, am I gonna die here tonight? Is this gonna be like the crazy shit? Uh-huh. Trying to walk down to a Walmart to find some pieces, like. It's like you got we 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 found like an abandoned um, junkyard one time where uh, some guy found us like the next day and was like oh you just just meet me at my junkyard it's this this little dinky place you can't miss it so we walked all the way over there and you know I guess we like got the car like to there I guess in some form of capacity yeah. and there was nobody there there's a sign on the door it said like. Uh, we'll be back from lunch and then there's another sign that just happens to say that this place is no longer in business. Uh, so you're kind of sitting there like, 
Which one do you believe? And there, we're just walking around this whole place. I mean, we were there for a whole day. Where was this? Oh, God, I wish I could remember. Some desert, man. Um, <laughs> fuck. It was somewhere, I want to say, by Arizona. All right. Somewhere in somewhere the Somewhere in that Lynch, middle fucking nowhere. Yeah. Like, God bless you, Roger, living all the way out there, man. Fuck. Fuck, dude. Like, it, it was hot as hell. Like, uh, there was, um... I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, Johnny always loves stopping for coffee. All right. Johnny is a coffee junkie and yeah, I've had a, ginger, a ginger ale junkie. So, fun story, uh, funny little story inside. Uh, you know, there's one time uh, we were with our, our the same band and their drum, out of drummer, his name is Big Mike. Okay. And Big Mike's like an old school cat, a West Coast guy. And uh, he turns around and we were, I guess we were a little late to our next, our next gig and he's like yo guys we gotta stop fucking stopping for call, you know all these little stops you guys want to keep making and there's Johnny Waze turns around and looks at the, the both the band and says yeah guys it's re- you know yeah, we really gosh. need to you know, we really need to start getting to this show and Big Mike looks at him he's like no I'm fucking talking about you Johnny Waze you keep stopping for fucking coffee and, and he's like look at me like we're all like yeah Johnny we need to fucking talk yeah all these little nonsensical stops it was it's hysterical. Like we, we just did it we played a gig recently in Rhode Island and uh-huh. Rachel, you know, my, my girlfriend, she, she made holes these sandwiches for us. God bless her, you know, because she's a beautiful chef and a beautiful soul in person. She made all these f- sandwiches for us at the end of the show. And mind you, I've never had that before. You know how you know shitty it is sometimes having to be like, oh McDonald's is the only place yeah. that's open at like fucking two or three in the morning. Yeah. So I come out, you know, I'm Little, little tipsy, you know, had a lot of few, few goodies too. And uh, she, I see Natalie and Stool eating sandwiches, and I'm like, "Where did you guys get yeah. those?" They were like this big, yeah. And, I, and they're like, "Oh, Rachel made them." And I just look over, and just behind her, and she has like a whole hood of her car sandwiches on top of them, beautiful, and like whole cuts, the cheese, nice. turkey, and I'm just like. What is happening right now? Yeah, she like great. took the ferry to Cape all the way out to Rhode Island, did all that, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Never had that happen before, and I'm, t- I'm telling her on the way there. She's like, where are you guys? I'm here, and I'm like, we had to stop at the gas station. She's like, let me guess, Johnny, need me coffee, and I was like, yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. It's <laughs> awesome, but it's been um, quite an experience being this band. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I love all the people that we got to meet, the fans, the waste crew. I mean, God, that started off as just a joke between. Myself and uh, my our, fr- our good friend Raul. Yeah, and you know he's a, been an amazing supporter and I love love him to death as well. I mean, I, I got that shit tattooed in my fucking knuckles with Indian ink. Yeah, uh, for for Christ's sake, because that's how much I care about this band. And I just want to show everyone that we're here. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. It's, we're still here. We're still playing music. We have new stuff coming out. I mean, you got the Scared Society EP. We got a little, another EP. We uh, want to work on little, like four songs, but they're All gonna right. be like. Old school punk rocker show, not like right. you know that fast crazy shit. But you know, like we'll probably turn it back up for the next EP. That works, and then we possibly want to do something with a, a live set. You know, Why I mean, not? We, we we did uh, we did these recordings last year for for the, for our new record, and we also did a bunch of recordings for the old songs. We right. did all like the old original songs and the demos and stuff that didn't make it on the original Urban Waste record. Right. Still floating there. Awesome. I would love to do something with that in the future and love to talk with Johnny about getting him to do something with that. Maybe yeah. have a new Urban Waste live record or something off the side. It'll be crazy for you guys here. cool. Yeah, man. But, um, I, uh, God, I'm, I've been a New Yorker my entire life. Yeah. And I, I love the music and the genre, whether it's hip hop, yeah. you know, hardcore. Same you here. Know. Same here. I mean, Born I, and bred. 
I moved around a little bit. I haven't lived in New York my entire life, the entire time. I'm not your blood, man. but but yeah, but yeah, I'm always yeah. back. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Blood. Everyone always comes back. Everyone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, numerous people who always are like, oh, I'm getting out of here. But then it's like a year or two. They're like, oh, I missed the joint. Of course. Uh, I have people that listen They're like Oh I live in California now Like thank you for doing it Because I feel like I'm back in Brooklyn I mean I, I have uh, One of my buddies He's coming back In about a week um, and my, my boy Matty he, he, he was one of the When I used When I first started Getting into punk rock He was one of those people Who I used to see all the time Like Denim jackets Skinny jeans The boots mm-hmm. The belts I mean we used to call Matty Brutality You know, nice. you know Freaking he, he was the one I, GBH the Crow Mags, Minor Threat, a, a lot of those, those type of the accused, a lot of those type of bands he helped me get into, or I, I used to l- watch and listen to. Right. And that's rubbed off on you. It rubs off on a motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking yeah, beautiful that's fucking thing. Like, uh, like, you know, I hope I'm not taking up too much no, of time. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I can just sit, sit there and think of so much, so much more things to think about, man. Like, got some... Uh, we're, I think we're, we don't have any upcoming shows as of yet at the moment, but I think the next show that we're going to is uh, Curious Suicide. It's coming to New York. When? They are playing uh, August 9th at the, uh, uh, at, in the Brooklyn Bazaar. Okay. It's place, uh, I think it's playing as part of this uh, three weekend festival known as, I think, Hellfest? A group of people who uh, who do like a lot of these festivals, like uh, I think like Damage City Festival, like a lot of like you, know, you have like the festivals like this is hardcore and like the Black and Blue, where you have like a lot of the the heavier like you know the, the melodic type hardcore bands, it's not right. like the those type hardcore bands. And then you have these bands who have like a lot of the hardcore punkish, like that old school like, like GBH and yeah. exploited type bands. Sure. So you know they, they come together and they've been doing this. They've been doing them for years, and apparently they're doing it in New York. Oh, dope. So I don't know if I have this information fully right for all this. It's just based off of what I hear, hear and heard. All right. But you know, I, they, like them, marked men are playing. Like there are like some of these modern day, I guess, twenty first century hardcore bands that yeah. I, I, I've fallen in love with over the years. Awesome. Like them. Like if if you haven't heard, check out Government Warning, Direct Control, Career Suicides. Great band. If you, if you like awesome. that old school, early eighties hardcore, like FUs, Urban Waste, Mind Threat type style. Poison idea up your alley. Awesome. Where can they find Urban Waste all over the social media? Oh, all yes. over. We're all over social media. You find Urban Waste on Reverb Nation, Bandcamp, uh, Google, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram all over. See, I, I see. The last time when Jimmy was talking to Johnny. That motherfucker hadn't posted on his Instagram in two years. Yeah. I post on Instagram all the time and tag his ass and everything. Right. So follow me on Instagram at Josh Waste New York Hardcore. Yeah, uh, it's Josh Waste NYHC, and then yeah. there's Urban Waste NYHC. Yeah, who runs that page? The Urban Waste one. Johnny runs that okay. one. Man. I, you know, obviously run my own. Right. So, but I will always tag him and then share. We like we share stuff like pretty much equally. So right. I'll do that. Or if just find us on Facebook, Johnny Waste, Josh Waste, Non Lee Saito, or Stooley Kutchikakoff. Right. Or or uh, there's also a group, right? The Waste Crew group. Yeah, we have the Waste Crew group on uh, Facebook as well. Uh, Waste Crew, something with the years that I put 1981 to right. present day. Right. We we share flyers and that, and we have the band page on on, on Facebook as well. And Bandcamp. And yeah, and Bandcamp. Uh, we sometimes depends, I guess, when Johnny has it activated. But we ha- uh, he's working on it still. But we also have a website, urbanwaste.net. Awesome. Where we have uh, we talk, we have our merch. 
upcoming tours, uh, photos of pretty much every era and lineup of the band, nice. live shows. It's just pretty much where you can want to find out information on the band. We're on there as well. Good shit. Yeah, I mean, we're all over New York. I mean, God bless anyone who comes here to come and support yeah. us. See us I mean, play. you find them on any of those, especially social media shit, especially Facebook and all that shit. It's upcoming shows, and you'll see flyers and Absolutely. announcements. Yeah, I mean... Uh, awesome. You can find this podcast... If you just go, I make it very easy. If you go to my Instagram, which is at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace, just hit the link in the bio, and that will bring you to all the platforms and all the other social media that the podcast is on. I also want to give a shout-out to Dakota, and and I wanted to mention on Facebook, go check out the page, the Worldwide Underground page on Instagram. It's at Worldwide Underground Sucks, Worldwide Underground S-U-X, and it's also worldwide-underground.com. Um, another thing, uh, uh, even though I did put out a bonus mini episode, uh, do me a favor and just follow. Uh, you know, everybody knows at this point that I did, that I put together a podcast network. And right now, as I speak, I have nine podcasts underneath the umbrella of Dark Satellite Media. So please go to Instagram. It's at Dark Satellite Media. Please follow it. There's also a Twitter account for it. It's Dark Satellite M1. There's also a Dark Satellite Media Facebook group. I'm trying to put this thing together to help out a whole bunch of podcasts, including my own, all on the same level playing field underneath one umbrella to help everybody involved. So I would appreciate that. Once again, it's just find, just Google at Dark Satellite Media, and in the link and at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace on Instagram, you'll find the podcast all over the place. Fancy, Jimmy. I try to be user friendly. <laughs> you know, it's the best way to be, man. I try to be as easy as possible. <laughs> you, know, you hit that one link in the bio on my Instagram, and it opens up this thing called Link Tree. And wow, CDs go flying. It's all right. CDs, bro. Look at these. Oh, uh, wow. That's a Nintendo Donkey Kong classic for the original NES system. Sorry, Johnny. I'm breaking your stuff. Nah, Johnny's upstairs. Yo, yo, you have a Nintendo Duck Hunt fucking light phaser. And he, Nintendo controllers. He is. If, if this man it does I not. I just show, noticed I was sitting in here for for an hour, almost an hour and a half. I just noticed that you have the fucking duck hunt gun. If this man is not, does not prove that he's OG triple OG, I mean, he's got comics here. Yeah. He's got Super Nintendo cases here, old original Nintendo. Like it's his little gaming center here. And I love it, man. Yeah. The TV looks like it weighs four hundred pounds. Uh, our, yeah. Remember when TVs used to weigh that much? Yeah. They were in the room with one. <laughs> it's giant. It has the big back on it. The tube. I like to think our studio is like it's child friendly. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Oh, Very cool. do, do you want to? Let's let's we'll end the song. I'll tack it on at the end. You want to end this podcast with an Urban Waste song? Yeah, you should play Scared Society now that you're back, Johnny. Play our new song, No Children Allowed. You no Children Allowed. No, you got to show them Scared Society. Well, you, you have that on here? You have, this, you have send me the MP3. I have it on here. Play, play some Scared Society, Johnny. Let's uh, let them hear it. All right. Well, I don't know if it's going to come up very good here, but we'll play that. Well, all right, good. But we'll play it right here. And we won't attach it. Ugh. So so as we, we're doing this, old school, right next to a Nintendo NES system. That's right. And Johnny Waste is in the house. Here. <laughs> He's been in the house the entire time. Say what's up, Johnny Waste. What's up, everyone? Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been upstairs uh, eating some dinner. Nice. Absolutely. What'd you have? Anything good? Uh, we had some uh, 
some Chinese food. There you go. And a little beef and broccoli. All right, ain't nothing wrong with that. Spare rib combo. All right. I'm blind here. <laughs> Johnny, your glasses are right in front of you, bud. Yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he can't see his glasses. <laughs> I don't think to put them on. Right. I hate the fact that I have to glasses. use them. He so. can't see the glasses, hence Johnny blind. <laughs> Play him the one, uh, obviously, with Stooley. All right, so this is a song called Scared Society off of the upcoming... A possible Scared Society EP. Right. Possible. And when is this possibly coming out? Johnny? Johnny? Um, 2019. We're in Ooh, 2019. That's yeah. a good answer. I can't give you anything anymore before the end of the year. I like that answer. 2019. Here we go.